most people are unhappy in their work and they want to do something about it. So what do they do? You're listening to Why Try, the podcast. Mac Pritchard started his website MaxList as a way of serving his network. What started out as a simple email list to share job postings in Portland eventually became a full-blown website where employers can pay to post jobs and where job seekers can find career resources in the form of a podcast and numerous articles put together by his team. Max becomes something of an expert when it comes to finding good work, and I think he's got a lot of insights that you'll enjoy here. So, hope you enjoy this conversation. So, Max, you host a podcast, Find Your Dream Job, on your website, and as a fellow podcaster, I'm curious what you think makes for a great guest. We're well into our third year, and we have a much better idea of who our guests or what makes for a good guest. And it, for me, it comes to the, back to the audience. Who are we trying to serve? What do they want? And for us, it's people who struggle with the nuts and bolts of job hunting. They, they either didn't get formally trained in it or they haven't done it in a while. So who can best help them? And I've found through conversations it's um, – people who are career experts and and the best the best guests aren't necessarily the coaches who work with people one-on-one they're also the people who uh, write speak or create content in some way and maybe they teach but uh, and that makes them a more effective guest because they know how to take complex ideas and boil them down into concepts that you can discuss in conversation um, it, it also, first time people who have never done a podcast before, about half the time they're okay. Um, uh, if they've either been a presenter or an author or they blog regularly, uh, but sometimes they struggle. So I, so three years into it, when I look for guests, I look for people who are experts who also write, speak, podcast, or blog about a topic. Right. And it, it, one specifically focused on so job, nuts and bolts yeah, of job hunting. So I, I get pitched by people who want to talk about life skills or, you know, self-employment or right. um, these are all good topics, but that's not what our audience comes to us for. And so a part of the job is saying no. Yeah. It sounds like you have a really good um, grasp of who you're helping and how you're helping them. I think so. And, and I think it, I think you touched on this. It's something you learn as you go along. And the only way to learn it is by doing it. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. It's good, good warm up. Hopefully, uh, so, so then you have uh, Maxlist, which is your website that the podcast is part of. Can you give me the high level overview on that? Maxlist, which is an online community for people looking for work that matters, and we do that by providing a website that has a job board and information about how to look for work. And we get about eighty thousand people a month who come to Maxlist. Maxlist. It's actually something I've been doing since 2001. My career has been in state and local government and nonprofits and politics. Uh, I was a communications director for state agencies. I I worked as a spokesperson for elected officials. And I had a job in in Salem, uh, the state capital, and I wanted to stay in touch with my contacts after I left there to take a position with a, a nonprofit. And so the way I hit upon doing that was to share job postings because uh, nobody's going to object if you send them a, a posting for a cool job. And it was just a way of reminding people down in the capital 45 miles away uh, because this new job was in Portland that I was out there. And it was also a way of serving my network. 
years went by, and I started hearing from people I didn't know who asked me to include them on my list of job postings. And then I started hearing from employers who wanted to be on that list. But I never thought of it as a as a business. And in time, it became so popular. We had about a 1,000 subscribers that it had become a part-time job. And that's when I built a very simple website. This was in 2010, eight years ago now. And I started charging employers for listings uh, to, to actually share their job postings with our list. And I actually didn't know if people would pay. I was, uh, I, but the reason I did it was MaxList had become a part-time job for an employee of my public relations firm. Somebody was spending about a day a week running it, and it wasn't producing any revenue. So I, I had a choice. I could either stop doing it or I could figure out a way to continue to do it and create revenue to support it so we could not only provide the service but grow it. What was it? that was appealing to you about serving people in this particular way? Was it just not purely opportunity, or um, is there like something deeper there? A couple of things are hap- were happening. One is service is a very important value for me. It's something I learned from my parents, and it's inspired me both personally and professionally. So I look back at my career. I'll be 60 in November. I've been in the workplace uh, for 40 years. I've had a lot of different jobs, but... The common denominator that runs through all of them is wanting to make a difference about issues I care about or in the community where I live and work. Yeah. So why why work? Why um, why this opportunity? Like, why do you care about that? Think about how much time we all spend in the workplace. Uh, we spend more time with our coworkers than we do with our, our partners, our, our our family, and our closest friends. Uh, so our jobs are a huge part of our lives, and people want to have work that matters. We all do, whether we're, and it doesn't necessarily mean nonprofit work. You, you can have a, a great job at a bank or uh, at a local store, and you can find purpose and meaning in, in any job. But people struggle with that because they don't know how to look for work. They don't know how to get clear about their goals, but they do know when they find the right fit, it can make a huge difference in their life. So to your question, why do I care about this? Because it's a way of helping people. And in my professional work as a communicator, you know, I was a speechwriter to a governor. I worked at City Hall for a mayoral candidate here in Portland. I got to work on public policies that helped improve people's lives. And in through MaxList, I get to do the same thing. Because when people find a job that is not only financially rewarding, but helps them accomplish um, their purpose, that's transformative. And you, whether you do it with one person or hundreds or thousands, and again, we get about 80,000 people a month visiting the MaxList website. That's a chance to, to really make a, a, a big difference in, in somebody's life. What is something that has most changed your own perspective? Like the job hunting or like meaningful work? Being unemployed twice cashing the last unemployment check uh, once and coming within one check of doing that a second time has had a powerful effect on how I think about looking for work. It's very painful to be out of work for seven or eight months. I mean, even a few weeks is hard. But if you go beyond that, uh, and some people are out of work for a year or more, I, I've had that experience twice, and it, it was transformative. Um, I think 
uh, it's part of what inspires me because I learned some painful, learned painfully some good lessons along the way, and I'd like to help people avoid that pain. Big challenge for people who are looking for work is they don't know how to do it. So we have a job board, and we're proud of it and the value it offers. But there are estimates out there, Nicholas, that as many as eight out of ten of all jobs are never posted. You're 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 smiling. Oh, have I thought you were going to say before? like eight out of ten people hate their jobs, which is also a statistic I've heard. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. So it, <laughs> that so, number uh, is out there too. Yeah. I, I think it it might be as high as ninety yeah. percent don't like their jobs. Okay. Sorry, I thought that's where you're going. Um, no, but yeah, no. Uh, to, to to the point of yeah, thing, yeah. Well, but you're making an important point, which is most people are unhappy in their work, and they want to do something about it. So what do they do? Most people go to the computer and they start. Googling and they look for a job that they want to do and they find it. It's, it's advertised somewhere online and they apply and, and good for them for doing it. But again, most jobs are never posted. So the person who's doing that is only seeing maybe two, three or four out of all the uh, vacant positions out, out of 10 that are out there. So there are all these great jobs that they're not even seeing and they don't, the other challenge, in addition to finding these hidden jobs, they're, they're, they're often called, is people think that the way to look for work often is to send in an application and wait for a call. Yeah. yeah. And it's brutal. It is. And it's, it's uh, very discouraging because you're not hearing back in many cases. And the problem in the end is you're waiting to be picked. So... Uh, there's a better way, and I think if your listeners reflect on it, it sounds like you've had this experience too, Nicholas. The best jobs usually come through word of mouth, and they happen because people have done one or all of three things. They've had the kind of informational interviews that you and I just talked about. second thing they've often done is volunteered in their field, and that's helped them grow a network and show people what they can do, and it's helped them make connections. And uh, the third thing that they've done is they've gotten in, they've gone to events and networked at events in their industry. And the reason they're often successful and much more successful in finding work that they can love is because um, of this principle. People hire people they know or people who are recommended to them by people they trust. And so it's vital when you're doing a search to have a network and connections to hiring managers. And here's the good news. You don't have to have gone to some fancy school or grown up with someone to get a job that you can love. You can create these relationships. You can build a network. And you can do it in a deliberate way. And there are practical strategies that can make you, that allow you to, to make that happen. So when thinking about purpose, I'm, I'm curious if over the years you've kind of unearthed any suspicions about what leads to a great sense of connection with purpose, what leads to great work for people. I think it begins with knowing what you want to do, and we all struggle with this. It is a big challenge for, for new graduates. It's also something that people mid-career or even later in their career struggle with. And I, I think it that struggle happens for a couple of reasons. One, we're looking at multiple choices. And there are a lot of things that interest us, and we don't know how to pick among them. 
another reason is because people don't know how to set goals and they they instead they rely on trial and error to try to figure things out or they just uh, take the first thing that comes along because they often don't know how not only to set goals but how to look for work and so they they take a position thinking well I'll try this and see what happens and you can use employment as or job search as a discovery process, but sometimes you discover when you get into that job three, six months, that that's in fact not what you want to do. So you're better served if you can step back and actually do the planning ahead of time and get clear about your goals and figure out what it is you want to do. Okay, so what does that planning process look like? Whether you're a new graduate or you're mid-career or farther along, it 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 starts with reflection. What is it that you enjoy doing? I think you also need to look at your strengths. What what are the things that uh, allow you to do your best work? Where do you shine? And there's certainly lots of tools out there. Uh, I, I suspect many of your listeners are familiar with them. Things like um, Strength Finders 2.0 or uh, you can do things like the Myers-Briggs test to figure out where your strengths might be. Uh, if you want to get really practical and you've gone to a college, uh, go to the career services office. There are people standing by uh, eager to help you and show you resources that you can use uh, and, and different exercises to, to, to help you begin answering those questions. I find most people have a short list of things that they get excited about. And I think it's important, to, especially at the start of your career, to recognize that you've got 30 or 40 years to explore those interests. So the first or second or third job that you take, you don't have to try to cram everything into one position. You get a lot of bites of the apple here uh, when you're starting out your career, and it's important to remember that. In, in, in my case, when I came out of college, I wanted to do three things. I couldn't have said it as concisely as this, Nicholas, but I, it was clear looking back that this is what I wanted to do. And as a, a feeling was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were things that I got excited about and talked to people about and, and that I, I pursued. And they were writing. I wanted to get paid to, to write for a living. And I wasn't a particularly good writer, but I was you know, a, a little above average, and, and I've gotten a, a lot better. Uh, the other thing I wanted to do was electoral politics. I wanted to work on election campaigns. And the third thing I wanted to do was human rights advocacy in, in, uh, in foreign policy and U.S. Latin American policy. So I've done all three things and more in my career, and I've done them at different times. And, uh, and so I, I, I say that because I think people don't have to limit when, when they make one choice, that doesn't mean they're closing the door to these other things. They'll get to them eventually. The key thing is that you know what you want to do, what you're good at, and that you learn how to both explore and find those opportunities in the years that follow. I'm curious, would you be able to share like an exercise that you thought was like particularly useful for providing that kind of clarity? Yeah. I'm a big fan of what are called informational interviews. These are business meetings with people who are working in the, the field or at a company or uh, in an occupation that interests you. And sometimes I, you know, I think everybody's been in the workplace for a while. We've gotten those calls or emails that go like this. Um, I'm doing a job search. I'm figuring out what 
trying to figure out what to do next, or I just got out of college, can we get together for coffee, or perhaps could I prick your brain? And um, an informational interview is different. It's a it's a business meeting, and it and it when you if you are interested in a particular kind of um, if you want to work at Nike or you want to be a reporter or you think that um, you're uh, you would thrive at a nonprofit, find somebody who works at Nike or or is a reporter or who is inside a nonprofit and sit down with them and have a structured conversation about what it is they do, uh, how they got there, and um, what advice I'd give to somebody like you who is interested in doing that kind of work. If you have a couple of conversations like that, you'll figure out pretty quickly, is this something I want to actually invest my time in? And if you, after two or three of those meetings, decide, you know, I'm not excited about this at all, that's a very practical way of figuring out it, that it's time to close that door. But if you get excited uh, and you want to learn more, your energy is going to tell you that you uh, that that is a path that is probably going to be rewarding. The great thing about having those conversations, in addition to getting insights into the the field or the company or or the occupation where you want to work uh, or you're considering working, is you can also ask for recommendations about other people to to meet. And as you talk to folks, you'll get insights that if indeed you do apply for jobs uh, in that field that are going to make you a much better candidate because you're going to understand what employers want, what they look for, and you're going to get through those conversations practice that is going to help you in in interviews and beyond. You you brought up an interesting thing with uh, retirement, Uh, but people are, you know, living longer. Yeah. People are living longer, working longer. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that in terms of people finding rewarding work and maybe changing careers, you know, like a a few times over the course of their working lives? I think that's normal that I think many people have already done that. Uh, the world has certainly changed since I came to the workplace in 1980 because when I went into an office, there were people who were mid or career or at the end of their careers who had just worked for one company forever. And, and that had its advantages. It's very rare to see that now. I grew up a, not far from Moline, and I've got high school classmates. We all got out in 76 who went to John Deere, and you know, only a handful of them left now, but they're just finishing up. Yeah, and they never went anywhere else. But I think that's the exception. I think um, in the last 30 years, either by choice or by circumstance, people have had to change careers. And if, they've, if it, was, it was something they were forced into, it, it was painful. But I think other people have figured out that uh, how to do it and do it on their own terms. I do think when people hit their 50s or early 60s, it, a couple of things could happen. One is they might be in a position financially where they can try something else uh, without risk, and they allow themselves to do that. Or the other thing that happens is people recognize they got to keep working, but why not try to find something that they they like? Yeah. And um, and they're willing to take more risks because they're, they may think, well, I'm only going to be in the workplace for another five or ten years. Why not try finding something I love? But, it, I mean, it's like a pretty big jump. Do you have ideas for like how people should think about making that kind of big change? You know, they've spent you know, 20 years, 
thinking of themselves in like a particular way, particular yeah. skill set, particular network, particular like you know, what am I good for like, yeah. in society? Then they want to do something different. You know, how do you transform your thinking to like, embrace something completely new? Well, I I think there are a couple of ways you could do it. One is if you want to try something and you haven't had a lot of experience in it, you can look for opportunities either with your current employer or outside the workplace to um, start doing that kind of work. And so if it's inside a company, you can volunteer for assignments in the area that you'd like to move into next. Uh, you, If it's um, if you don't have that chance inside a firm, you can look for opportunities to volunteer in the community. And that allows you both to figure out if you want to do it and to get some credentials and experience that you can record. And, and it's going to help you make the case to an employer that you've got the transferable skills and the experiences to make a career pivot. So wrapping up a little bit, I mean, you've, it basically, and I'm curious if you have like good resources that you'd point people to to like learn more. Um, if there's any books or other podcasts that you think are uh, worth checking out in terms of people finding really good work. Absolutely. So at MaxList, we have several articles that we publish every week on the website about how to look for work, about the nuts and bolts of job hunting. And and we do a weekly show called Find Your Dream Job. It appears on iTunes and our website every Wednesday. We've done about 140 episodes now. And every week I talk to a different national career expert about how to look for work. I've also got two co-hosts, uh, Becky Thomas and Jessica Black. And we, Jessica answers a listener question, uh, and Becky shares a resource about job hunting. We have several books and courses. There's a book about job hunting in Portland, and you can find it on Amazon. And, and there's also a, a Find Your Dream Job in Portland and Beyond. So, And we've got a national book uh, called Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. And if you're Listeners go to maxlist.org slash try. They can download the first chapter for free. So probably, I think that's a good note to end on. Um, thanks, thanks for making the time for this. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for inviting me to be a guest. Music for this podcast is by Cambrian Explosion, who, before they started a musical career, worked on extracting dinosaur DNA from fossilized amber. They were a little too successful, though, and their efforts resulted in their fifth musician, an accordion player, getting bitten in half by a T-Rex after unsuccessfully hiding in an outhouse. If you like this podcast, you can find more entrepreneurial tidbits and notifications of new episodes on Twitter at Podcast. More episodes at nicholaspeel.com. Thanks for listening.